yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranelagh, cold butt of a gun put into the back of your skull. That's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm not here to hurt you. A brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time imon irok the yen of chacht erachor. Agus suligam a makan sha gurfeder erachor inuik kiart len of winter fein. Skilti fis turmi. Tashe dochrecha nach vetoch ara igornamyan on kestchen ekol. Vien talam aginam griv arkar nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Hello and you're welcome to The Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Wecker, the tech editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent. And joining me today, I've got three fantastic guests who are all experts in their field. Very, very interesting. We've had a couple of them on the show before. Dr. Patricia Scanlon is the founder and chief executive of Soapbox, Lab, Soapbox Labs, a company that specializes in children's speech technology and AI. Damien Mully is the owner of Mully Communications, a Cork-based digital marketing firm. And Roisin Kybert is a freelance journalist contributing to Motherboard, Vice UK, The Guardian, The Irish Independent, and many others. You're all very welcome to this studio. Um, Damien, is Facebook listening to your calls? Um, no, it's not. Um, it's not doing it to, to sell ads or anything like that. I mean, Facebook does try and suck in as much information as possible, all your emails, all your contacts, all your connections, your photographs. And for people that had Android phones, they were taking in their text messages as well. But this, I guess, idea of that they're switching on your microphone and listening in, they're, they're not doing that. Not Everybody yet. says they are. Everyone says they are. And you'd kind of believe it in that um, you're talking about something with your friends and then you're starting to see ads about it straight away. But the same way my uh, health insurance is due for renewal like next week mm-hmm. and I'm seeing all these ads and I'm thinking, are they looking at the mail I'm getting in the post because... I'm getting all these ads and I haven't seen them before. Mm. So it's a little bit of, I think, just um, confirmation uh, bias, bias, perhaps. But, um, this is not. the most, the biggest thing in tech. Can, I call it a conspiracy theory, but I don't know whether they're listening to, to uh, or not. I, I doubt it. I'm, I'm skeptic as to whether they are. But the number of people who believe this, I had a conversation with my wife the other day and I've been lecturing her and that's a bad way to put it but we've been having conversations about this for the for the last year and I've insisted uh, grandiosely that it's not happening and she said to me the other day that she got a thing for a Christmas present and the next day she saw an ad for it and we went through it and I, I couldn't I couldn't convince her and um, I, I'm wondering why this is so pervasive um, like are you do advertising on Facebook and there's like a couple of thousand different options now. So you can advertise to someone based on the job description or function they put in, their age or marital status. Mm-hmm. You can target people with ads that are 
people that are in long-term relationships or long-distance relationships. They haven't put that in, but Facebook has figured that out. And kind of being cynical, if they had this option, I'd be using it, or clients of mine would be using it. Yeah. But I think that it's because it's Facebook. Mm-hmm. Anything new that Facebook brings out, and you know it, and maybe I know it, radio stations call you up, and the first question asked after what is this tech is, what are the privacy implications? Mm. And I think people don't trust Facebook anymore. Mm. They consider them to be a really good tech company that will do all this stuff. And I think as a result, people then believe what other people uh, are thinking is happening. Mm. Patricia, one of the um, things that people say in response when you say they're probably not doing it, and you, you, you might mention a few technical reasons why it might not be possible, but then they come back with these very reasonable arguments and say, well, hang on a second, we're living in an era of Amazon Echo, of Google Home, of Siri, of Shazam we've had for years, and my phone has literally just gone off, as I said, Siri there. Um, And it's a very reasonable response, which is, hang on, our devices are listening for watchwords all the time. Why is it such a stretch to believe that Facebook or any social media company or any phone uh, company or or maybe an ad broker somewhere in between is somehow, you know, can't deploy technology to, to monitor what we're saying. Well, you know, technically they could. Mm. Uh, the could issue, they? That's an important point, though. Yes, could they technically? Could. Absolutely, of course they could. Um, there's lots of examples of how, you know, the Alexa's, um, you know, incorrectly tr- the, thought it heard the wake word and starts triggering some recordings mm. and Somebody recently got sent recordings from another person and all these things keep happening. And, you know, the reality is you just put a microphone in your house and you connect it to the Internet. Like so obviously but just you know, on that wake word. And I don't fully know how this is. You, you might have a better understanding of my understanding of a wake word was that it, it a wake word can trigger uh, Alexa to or Siri or anything else to start going, but until it actually gets that wake word, the channel doesn't open up. That it's a yeah. closed channel. So therefore, in other words, there's no active online channel for it to start assessing and feeding that information back to. No, at the moment, that's ads. the way it's set up to work, right? Mm-hmm. That it waits for the wake word, and it's kind of like a circular buffer that keeps you know listening to what you're saying. When it hears a wake word, it opens the channel. That's technically how it's supposed to work. Um, What's happened a lot in the last year, we're hearing lots of examples of where the system thought it heard the wake word because there was background noise or there was something else going on or, you know, they changed the algorithm and suddenly it got a little more sensitive to certain sounds or it didn't, wasn't exposed. Mm. So there's lots of examples where it has happened that the wake word was accidentally triggered. Um, so, but the reality of how uh, speech recognition is done now, and this, we call it large vocabulary speech recognition, it doesn't actually happen on device. All that the um, on device is happening is listening for the wake word. So what would hap- have to happen if Facebook was listening was that all your conversation would be streaming to the cloud. Right. right? And if you think about how many people are on Facebook, we're talking about billions or even billions. say in the US or something like, you know, we've got, you know, 250 million adults, if you're just going yeah. to quantify it like that. That is an insane amount of data that would be uploaded to the cloud. And even if they own servers, which, you know, uh, farms at Amazon and obviously, you know, Microsoft and Google all do, that's an insane amount of processing mm. to be able to do. So we do have to watch for them still. So I'm one of those people in the middle a little. I think, you know, just because 
you know, it doesn't do it now. It doesn't mean so it you won't don't do think, it. you don't think they're recording? No, I just think it's, no. it's, it's, you know, I don't think they would reap the economic benefits from the amount it would cost them to do it right, right. now, right? Just okay. like technically speaking. Um, well, wouldn't, I mean, wouldn't it also turn up in our mobile phone data bills? I know yeah. that a lot of us now have no, 10, absolutely. 20 gigabytes absolutely. of data yeah. per month. Yeah. But absolutely. if there was an open We've often looked channel, at that, yeah. We've looked at that, like about what, because, you know, there was this whole issue about, you know, is this particular, we were looking at children's apps, mm. are they actually streaming? So we were able to have a look and see what was actually leaving the, the, the phone and, and what was actually processing on device. Um, so yeah, we would know. Anybody who has data limited would definitely know if that was happening. They could be gathering snippets throughout the day, but then, you know. Yeah, so that's again, another, so if, I, if we were arguing here with somebody who was absolute believer yeah. in this, they might make that point. They may say, well, listen, maybe it's not listening to all of my conversations. Well, the one thing I would say is, okay, f f I'll say two things here. One is that Amazon have actually filed a patent recently um, about to do exactly mm. that, to be constantly listening, and they call it voice sniffing, and in around looking for What's keywords, ki looking for keywords. keywords. So instead of just looking for your wake word, it would start looking for keywords about, um, you know, your likes or dislikes or your, really? you know, your, you know, they haven't done it and they actually came out publicly to say, yes, it was mm -hmm. filed, but that's future proofing. Um, we're, we have, we are not actually doing that and we'll, you know, we'll obviously keep users And informed. because most Amazon products are in the home, Wi-Fi data tends to be a lot yeah. more unlimited. So you'd it's, have hundreds the thing of about it is, it is possible and all these companies are reserving the right to do this in the future. I would say the reason why you're actually seeing very pertinent information coming up in your ads right now is because they know an insane amount about you more than you think. It's actually called the, I don't know if you've heard this before, the Creepy Valley. The so Creepy Valley. So basically, you know, the Uncanny Valley is where, you know, uh, 3D rendering of, of humans is getting so human-like, it's kind of starting to freak people out mm. and they had to you know deal with that. The Creepy Valley is a, where companies are trying to hold back on how much they actually know about you or letting you know how much they know because it will freak you out how much they actually know about you. You know, cookies. You, mm. you skip from one uh, website to another. There's companies who are gathering not just the information about what you do on that particular website, but what other websites, um, you know, where else you've skipped to, particularly mm -hmm. when there's ads appearing in all these different forms. So they're building up a huge picture of where you've been. And even what, you, like if you think about it, what your friends are talking about, mm. not just what you're talking about. It's kind of coupling what you've been searching and when your interests with what your friends have interests, maybe you're going to be showing a book, but it's maybe you didn't search for it, but somebody else has that they're in your circle and there's mm. connections being made there. I mean, there's a lot of other technical reasons why you might get a well, little freaked out. One of the interesting things about this is it, you, people say that I did a test. People will tell you, well, mm. me and my partner, we sat down and we did a test and we talked about something that we've never uh, talked about before. We talked about Tunnock's tea cakes, mm. okay, and something I haven't talked about before. And then lo and behold, you know, a couple of weeks later, I saw an ad for Tunnock's yeah. tea cakes. But yesterday, I was doing a, uh, a my at this point my monthly interview on some radio mm. station yesterday about this topic, and the guy, a guy called Jeremy Dixon, I think his name is on ninety eight FM. He said, "Well, listen, we're going to do a, a test now, live on air." And he said <laughs> he started saying he put on this uh, stiff voice and said, "Hello, Adrian." Um, uh, now, uh, I would like to tell you that uh, I would like to go to Australia and New Zealand this year and paused. And that's fine. Uh, and so he said, he'll come back to me. I, I texted him this morning and he said he has not seen any ads for Australia and New Zealand. I think the New Statesman did a very developed test about a month or two that's ago. That's right, I read that one, yeah. And they, 
I don't know if you'd call it scientific, but they went through all these examples. They got a lot of different staff members to mention specific things. And only one of them had an ad that vaguely was vaguely similar. Yeah, to, I read that it was some woman who doesn't have kids. And yeah. then she, yeah, she and started mentioning she she natural or cycle pregnant. or something. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but also that, that advertiser group. was advertising to that particular age group. Yeah. So the tests are seem to be inconclusive. Roshan, are you a believer? Where do you stand on this? Um, I don't know. There's a part of me that believes it wholesale, to be honest. I had mm. one only yesterday mm. that reflected a conversation I had with a friend. Mm-hmm. And within an hour, I was getting ads for this brand that I had mentioned. Really? And I hadn't bought or, or Googled anything from them. It was I was literally telling my friend James that I'd bought a pair of jeans mm-hmm. on eBay by Acne Studios. The Acne. <laughs> lovely Scandinavian jeans. And I hadn't kind of Googled them recently at all. And then literally the next time I checked my phone, they were there. But I think there there's also another part of me which... Um, acknowledges that this is almost sort of like a a folk religion take on internet. Like it's almost mm. like not understanding the science of the planets. So you conclude that the earth is flat. You know, mm. you reach the easiest con- conclusion when ultimately it's such a bigger, more complicated web of various influences which lead us. W- one thing which I keep encountering in articles which debunk this, uh, this conspiracy or very logical conclusion that people are drawing, I would be inclined to say. But, um, you know, we have this idea of spies in the Cold War or something, and we just leap to that conclusion, I suppose. But one thing I keep seeing, one argument being made is that we're all just not that different. Mm. Um, Maybe this links to the Creepy Valley, um, Mm. that, you know, Facebook has always used our friendships to market to us, or at least since around, what, like 2012 when they brought in those ads, where it's like your friend likes this you'll probably like this too. Mm. And that's how they determine what we like. And maybe the the horrible truth of it all is we're quite predictable. <laughs> I mean, similar. did you get an email? Did you order it online? And then did you I get an email? I got an eBay confirmation. See, I would say it could possibly but be the more The timing that. is uncanny. And I had another one over Christmas mm. where I bought my aunt really nice, expensive stationery. <laughs> and, yeah. and then I found myself thinking, it's kind of a, a crap gift when you just open it in this notebook. So I found myself justifying it to her in speech. I was like, oh, it's really nice. You know, I just like good, expensive stationery. <laughs> it just feels good, you know. And she's kind of like, yeah, whatever you're into. But uh, then that day I had ads for really expensive notebooks, far more expensive than I would ever buy. But you hadn't, um, you hadn't Googled? No, hadn't I'd never heard of search. the brand. No, they huh. were like leather-bound, beautiful notebooks. But your, <laughs> your point about the companies, um, the point that you make about the companies knowing us better than we know ourselves, I mean, that's a decent one, isn't it, Damien? I mean, I was reading recently that Facebook has patented a method to use your previous location data in conjunction with the previous location data of people you know to predict your future location, from which then they can uh, make an educated guess as to what you might be interested at any one time. Yeah, There's actually an, an option in Facebook ads where you can target people who travel through an area. So they don't live in that area, but they travel uh. through that area. Or say, if you wanted to target students around UCD, you can mm. do that by saying people that live in the area or that spend time in that area. That's they can, fascinating. They can do that as well with the long-term, or sorry, long-distance relationship, where you don't say where you live on your Facebook profile. Mm. You mm. say, well, I say I won't, and your partner doesn't. Um, but you meet up every now and again, and Facebook can correlate between those two phones, where they are, where they spend most time. So they yeah. can go, I live in Cork, your partner lives in Dublin. Yeah. So therefore, 
you're in a long distance relationship. And you can I, run an ad to those, and there's yeah. like 2,000 people that match that, I think, in, in Ireland. It's kind of amazing. I know you do quite a lot of research. Uh, you had a, quite a good story, which we worked on um, about a month ago about the age profiles of, of people who are using Facebook. We'll come on to that in a minute. But um, that what, exactly what you've described there is probably freak, probably freaks people out when they hear it yeah. from the horse's mouth uh, in that way. And it does leave one with the impression that the stuff that Facebook is already doing might be a little bit more disturbing, disturbing, might be more unsettling to some people than the things they're actually accusing Facebook of doing, uh, such as recording from your from your phone. There's such an interesting I mean, there must be people who study the psychology of this as to why, you know, listening in has a lot mm. of cultural baggage attached to it. It's the first thing we think of when we think of spying, you know, mm. but, but uh, there was a study a year ago. I, I don't know how spying, they... sometimes if you're a journalist, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Reading as a sting or something like hidden oh. microphones, <laughs> or you're trying to, uh, <laughs> trying to get out of being involved in the mob, perhaps. Mm. <laughs> but I mean, there was a study a year ago where they, I don't know how they did it, but a team of researchers intercepted the messages between marketers and the apps on our phones, and they found that there were no recordings being made or transmitted, but there were uh, screen grabs, like mm. loads of screen grabs on, and video recordings of people's phones as well. Mm. Um, mentally, to me, I don't react with this, the kind of uh, fear and disgust that I would feel if they were listening in. Maybe mm. it is just as invasive, though. I, I don't know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. It's your natural communication. It's, it's you. You're 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 more reserved in what you type than in what you say. Like, right. you know, I mean, that's why I think a lot of people the fear of the voice is that. Right. Yeah, and it, it's it's going to stay with you. Often, if I don't want something in writing, I'll call you. Like, you know, but now fix. all of a sudden, the, the calls are, or the voice yeah. has been recorded. What you know, mm. you're a lot more free with your opinion. We have deep fakes for voices, so maybe mm. within a year or two. The same, I think ever since maybe Snowden, we've all kind of accepted, I think up to a point, maybe maybe really, like only a naive person wouldn't, I think, that what we do between ourselves and our screens mm-hmm. is, is not private. Yeah. But with our voices, we do feel uh, an yeah. ownership of our voices. Maybe that's going to collapse too. Yeah, <laughs> I agree with that. I think people are going to begin to go, actually, you take a little bit more. I think right now, that technology came on so quickly mm. and got dropped yeah. into our homes. There's 60 million US adults with smart speaker in their home right now. You know, and that was in like three short years. And Facebook were due to launch one. Yeah, they actually ended up bringing them. Um, they they abandoned the reason. Another reason why I, I'm not so sure they, they did speech launch rec- it in the US, didn't Did they? Yeah, but they abandoned yeah. their own speech recognition oh, uh, technology. They actually use Alexa, and ah. they ended up having to. That's why I, I kind of laugh when I pe- think people think Facebook are doing, they abandoned all plans. So unless they're shopping it out to a third party, I don't think they're transcribing anybody. Yeah. Um, I mean, we can talk about whether people are actually disturbed at a fundamental level by this. I do have my doubts about that, I have to say, because we've had a lot of scandals over is the it, last couple it, of years. Is it just, in a way, is, is it all of these stories, is it manipulating us to actually just go, well, that's the way it is. And we just kind of sure, very possibly, very possibly. Push, there is going to be a push towards thing called Edge AI. Where at the moment we're all very accepting that when you use technology, it must leave your phone or your smartphone, mm. it must go to the cloud, and it must get processed, and it must get stored, and I must be microprofile because that's the trade-off between really useful technology and you know what the companies want. They give it to us because you know if it's free, you're the product kind of thing. But there is um, a lot of talk now about edge AI, 
And the idea is to start taking a lot of this. Um, you know, our processors are catching up now. They're well able to do a good amount of speech recognition, image processing, all that on device. And not an awful lot has to leave your phone mm. for a microphone. So I, I think where it's going to go is that we're going to be able to opt in or opt out. And certainly you opt out. You may not get the full breadth of, of utility that you will get if you're up in the cloud and open to all access. But you could still ha have very useful interactions. But it see, just won't any leave your time phone. that choice has been meaningfully applied, and you could argue about the definition of meaningful applied, but where people have an obvious choice to opt in or out mm. uh, with those consequences, the consequences yeah. that they may not have the full utility of the service, yeah. um, mostly they will stay opted in. I'll, right? I'll opt out, though. Will you? Yeah, yeah. And I would go with, let's That's say, Apple. That's why you're a doctor with your own <laughs> Maybe I know too much. Um, Do you trust Apple? Um, yes, on the surface right now. because right. So Apple and Microsoft have been very vocal, particularly of late, um, in the fact that they respect privacy, they'll never profit out of privacy. Both their CEOs have been very vocal about that. And as a result, people often kind of slagged off Apple for the last couple of years mm. that their tech, their speech tech wasn't as good as... Um, let's say it's, Google or Amazon. It's not though. It's not, but I mean, but 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 for good reason. They actually don't take your data and um, attach your identity. You know, when we, so a lot of the process and the identity when it when it leaves your phone doesn't have your um, information with it, your personal information with it. So as a result, it isn't able to probably as accurate. Um, right. Uh, kind of recognition that so how do they do that I, I was the la I was over there a few months ago mm. and we were being uh, shown the latest iPhones the latest gear and uh, we were being told about series and we had a, a briefing session with some of the executives and it was one of my questions was how do you actually advance your uh, voice technology if you're not uh, you know um, penetrating the user base as much as the others are well interesting like speech recognition actually you don't want, if I want to know linguistically what you say, I actually don't care who you are or what shape your vocal tract was or what your accent is. I'm trying to find the commonality between language, between all people. So what we actually do is remove information about your identity in order to perform speech recognition. So actually right. you don't really need it. What sometimes it's collected for is other reasons. Maybe mm -hmm. they're going to like, um, you know, build very specific models just for you. Maybe they're going to profile you based on your needs. There's usually other reasons to actually perform speech recognition. It's not really necessary. Okay. Um, interestingly, Apple have, um, you know, when they do face ID, they actually use infrared to yeah. do it. They actually don't use image. And I think it's something they really should be talking about more is because if you can take someone's image, you can actually put it on CCTV and actually be able to extrapolate that person is from a distance mm -hmm. based on a photo. From infrared, you can't really do that. So they are actually not taking your facial features from an image point of view. They're actually taking motion from muscles and from infrared, which kind of speaks to me saying I would rather than that than my yeah. image going to a cloud service and some perform biometrics, which later mm. could be used to track me in London. It, it feels <laughs> as though know? they're setting the stage for a, a, an imminent um, publicity war. It's already exactly. kicked off with all that, like, slagging well, off yeah. Facebook. How, how do you mean Apple, Apple versus Facebook yeah, on that? Well, where, Tim Cook has been good at guys. that for yeah, years. Yeah, where they frame privacy as a luxurious but necessary thing. Yeah, and, it's, and agreed. They, yeah. it's, a, it's a proxy for Google, really. They're taking yeah. shots at Facebook, but they're really taking shots at yeah. Google. And Amazon, mm. yeah. Yeah, anybody who profits from profiling, whether you're selling something or you sell ads. Now, to, be, to be fair to Facebook, um, Mark Zuckerberg has come out once or twice and has countered that by saying... You know, it's very easy to take shots at a business model that's based on a free product 
when you're selling 1200 mm -hmm. euro phones and you're asking people to shell out a thousand euro for a phone or a minimum of 1300 <coughs> euro uh, for a laptop and he counters and I'm only echoing what he's saying I'm not necessarily agreeing with him that for the vast majority of people particularly in developing countries they can't afford that access uh, to access um, uh, equipment that that's expensive and that Facebook and Google are their only options. Yeah, when you compare like 1300 quid phone and they're becoming more expensive as they want to make more money, they're just increasing the price of the phones mm. compared to a phone that has Android that might cost you $40. Yeah. Um, luxury, privacy big, is big, luxury. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, but yeah. I guess it's the intrusiveness of those ads and especially Facebook's intrusiveness mm. of it because they do stuff in the background like matching people so you can run ads saying run ads to people that like wine based on their friends so if they have friends that like wine you can run an ad to those people as well so look like audiences and it's all that additional matching they're profiling people that don't use Facebook but if the Facebook like button is on a website they can track you across the internet based on that so yeah I wanted to ask does, yeah. do either of you know like or, or maybe you know as well um does your voice match to your shadow profile yes I wouldn't think so yet again because of technology. It's just yeah, it's, I, th I think theoretically right it's possible, but I mean, you know, nobody unless they had a very good reason to do it, it's a lot of effort. Yeah. So just on the but shadow, it's possible. On the shadow that would profile, be a disaster for them. On the shadow profile, a lot of people don't really know what a, a shadow uh, profile is. Damien, that basically data from lots of other things, like it could be from your work email address or your location data to try to try and create a profile. Can you explain how that, how, what that is and how that so, works? Yeah, it, it's, it's, I guess it's, it's an amazing use of data science, you could call it. But they're, they're creating a profile, say, of me, the person that's never logged on to Facebook and doesn't have a Facebook account. Mm. But I have friends that have Facebook accounts. So when someone uploads, for example, their address book, my email address goes into Facebook, even though I'm not on Facebook. And then they can see who else is connected to me or who else on Facebook has my email address. So they're building a profile of me based on my friends. So now this person, me, who's never been on Facebook, um, they're going, well, his friends in this age range, he's most of the, the friends that are in the Munster area. So we think that person's from Munster that they went to this school. So they have that information. But as I go around the internet as well, um, there's a profile being built up on me based on the sites I'm going to just because of those Facebook buttons and those Facebook like buttons or whatever it is. And so they're building a profile there. And every now and again, my email address can match to that profile mm. and they can merge them together as well. So they're probably doing that for hundreds of millions of people. So even if you're not on Facebook, they probably know an awful lot of information about you. I mean, one, one of the interesting nuggets that turned up was apparently that it, could, it can also figure out if two people know each other by looking at the metadata of photos uploaded in a very small time frame, like in a small geographic area, then comparing like the scratches and the dust on the lens of the camera that took them. That, it, it's to that detail, to that granular um, detail. But one of the fundamental, if we take a step back here, I, in the last couple of months, I've done something I never thought I would do. I, I bought stuff off ads on Instagram. I bought two things off ads on Instagram which proves to me two things. One, that it doesn't bother me that I'm getting ads on Instagram. Two, actually those ads were probably more accurately directed at me. They were because I bought stuff from them than I'd see almost every, anywhere else, certainly on a, on a normal website. I'm wondering, the whole reason that Facebook advances for all of this technology is that the kind of marketing that you get might be something that 
augments your 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 daily life or that helps you in some way. Um, and to a certain extent, they're right, aren't they? Isn't there a certain a nugget of truth to that? Isn't it, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, we kind of look at you know this idea of of, of data and data privacy in three ways. One is that you have the lesser performing, you know, uh, you know, mm. system that maybe it's not as accurate. Second, yeah, performs a bit better, and maybe your ads are a little more relevant to you. The third and the the bit you got to worry about is that a lot of these privacy policies, when you dig into them reserve the right to sell your data to a third party you never agreed to. Right. And, and and most of the time you don't know you're doing that. I mean, if you it's sometimes you have to go through about five deep links before you're going to actually find out what what's inevitable to use. Children or adults mm-hmm. can be, so, the data can be sold on. And, and you've no control at that point then. You've lost control where it's not that you suddenly, that one company you agreed to have more, like Instagram, whatever, it, it's, it's, you know, where does this go and where's the long term view in this and what kind of profile are they building of you over the next five years, 10 years? Mm. And, you know, are you OK with that? Because we can't be OK with what we don't know they can do with the data yet. Mm. You know, uh, yeah, and you've, you've literally just given up that right. Like, mm. you know, from now you, you can't get that. But you can go back and get it. Um, but, you know, really, you're going to ask that one company to delete your data. What happens if it's been resold or all those other mm. companies? It's really vague and it's really grey at the moment what happens, yeah. you know. How consolidated is it all? Because, like, um, one of the stories I was reading about when I was looking this up was uh, that company, Alfonso, that collect, um, they have, like, well, I like gather, they have loads of games, but the games are actually ways to record snippets and then sell that as marketing data. Right. Um, you probably said okay when you you clicked. Yeah, you okay did, you, and they're they're really <laughs> innocuous looking games, like well, they're just yeah. like card games or something for your phone. I mean, how common is that? That seems G- really GDPR is GDPR is trying to clean that up, right? So mm. the point of GDPR is to say that it has to be written in very clear language and it has to be, you know, almost. So well, isn't that, that was uh, that that was a data collecting method that you used, wasn't that for in terms of um, sn- uh, getting examples of. Uh, kids' voices. Yeah, for, games. so what we do is we ask permission very explicitly. And we're very open. We're, we have to be because we collect children's data, right, from voice. And we're, and we actually are the one. We will stand up, and we've done it from let's say 2013 because in the US mm. they would have had privacy laws akin to uh, GDPR since then. So we, even though very few companies were actually asking permission at the time, we decided we would do it the right way because we kind of, you know, as parents ourselves, we kind of foresaw the problem. With this data so gathering. So typically, how would that work? So a child is on a tablet or yeah. a phone. So if you, so if, if for whatever reason you've downloaded our app, we've yeah. asked you to do it or whatever, you're given, um, uh, you have to enter your email address. Right. Um, this is the parent. Yeah, the parent has to enter the email address. They then have to go to their email. We, we have to tell them in very simple form what we plan to do. Um, then they go to their email. They have to click I consent. It's again given mm. in simple form with a link to more detailed information, privacy policy information, and they can't continue to open whatever product product is, whether it's a toy or an app or whatever, without giving explicit consent. Um, and then the child okay. can use it, and then they're reminded later. So it's they res- pretty clear that they know what's going <coughs> and they on. And they always have to have the right to come back to us. So we used to, you know, in certain jurisdictions, you'd still anonymize data. Um, but in jurisdictions like in the EU and in the US, you um, tag it with uh, an email address so that at any point you can come back and say to me, delete my child's data. Mm. And we delete every reference to the child. And that now the problem is a lot of companies are kind of scrambling to catch up with this. A lot of times, you know, they're collecting data. They're hoping they won't be found. You know, they're actually hoping that I think there's two problems going on in the EU right now. People don't even know 
we've come across a lot of companies don't even understand their obligations when it comes to data. Right. Um, well, and the I mean, EU are common. inundated right now, like, you know, and it's going to be slow. But when they do catch up, I think there's going to be, mm. I think things will change. And I think the US are now looking at the EU going, oh, that's how you do, because yeah. COPPA is only for kids that's under 13. Yeah. But adults have no rights. Um, it's still in the US. Mm. Uh, California tried to introduce it. But, you know. Just on this Facebook listening thing, th there's one other reason why I think that I suspect that it's not happening, and it's this. The media hates Facebook. Now, mm. I mean, I mean, speaking broadly, someone <coughs> who works in the media, and I'm not me personally, we hate Facebook. We, the media have had it in for Facebook for at least the last three years, and part, a very big part of that is because uh, it, it, Facebook and Google have destroyed the mm. chances through innovation and being competitive of publishers and media companies to make uh, money from ads for free products online. Google and Facebook hoover up about two thirds of that. If there was any chance whatsoever that Facebook was doing this, you know, Washington Post, New York Times, The Guardian in particular, have spent years going after Facebook for various things, I, I think. And the like, Damien, the, the number of people who actually sell ads for Facebook here in Dublin, they actually sell based on uh, criteria and metrics. Surely somebody in there would be wise to this and would be able to use it as a way to sell to prospective clients. Yeah, like I work with people, people have spoken at conferences that, that I've done and they have like a, a million dollar budget for ads kind mm. of like on a monthly basis. And that kind of stuff for some of our clients, they'd love that and they just can't get access to it. And when you mm. spend a certain amount with Facebook, you go really high up so you can ask for features on certain ads. Really? And it's just not there. Yeah, if you're spending yeah. enough money that, you know, they'll right. listen to you, the, the good salespeople, and they'll say, right, we can add that in if that's what you're looking for. And that's why their their ads have evolved like so quickly in the past couple of years is that they will listen to their, their buyers. Mm. And the more they can provide them with, the more money hopefully that, that that'll be spent. But it's just not there. Um, I, I'm sure there'll be a lot of people that ethically wouldn't do it, but there's mm -hmm. an awful lot of people that would. The thing with this, though, is we're, we're talking about manipulating data to sell ads, but you can also use that data to manipulate people's opinions and like skew opinions. And you might right. realize that this promoted post on something is actually an ad as well. And mm. so you can you can you can skew an awful lot of opinions with that as well mm. because of all that data. That's an interesting one. I remember uh, interviewing uh, Jimmy Wales, the Wikipedia founder on this, he's very big on this topic. He thinks that the big social media companies have uh, a, an obligation, certainly a moral and ethical one, maybe he thinks a legal one as well, to be able to better differentiate fake news, for want of a better uh, t uh, term, from legitimate uh, news company uh, posts. and. I've always found that hard. It's found hard to draw a line there because you're almost getting straying into the territory of what is a legitimate journalistic entity and what is a legitimate media company, which I know a lot of my colleagues would love if there was that kind of delineation there, especially when there are conversations about should media companies receive state subsidies or, or state funding. I've always had a little bit of a problem trying to, to, to get into that because how do you tell the difference then between um, say somebody who has a large following on social media, who's say an investigative reporter, might have a Patreon account, I, I don't know, um, but they might be uh, completely legitimate. How do you differentiate that from 
uh, a complete chancer or someone working for, uh, you know, Russian security agencies? Well, I, I think that the, the issue is people on Facebook can't differentiate mm. between that. And there's lots of, like, it was, actually it was Miriam McCallan last week was put up a tweet saying, look, there's ads with my name and my photograph on Facebook at the moment, like pushing some new beauty treatments. This is not me. Yeah, I saw that. Just yeah. after the, um, the presidential elections, do mm. I was seeing ads for Bitcoin using Gavin Duffy's name going, I've discovered this. <laughs> Other people as well. I wouldn't say that well, that went well, but anyway. <laughs> I um, think this reveals something really interesting in the nature of the story itself that we're talking about. This uh, this rumor that just keeps coming back that mm -hmm. Facebook is listening. It's kind of the revenge of the fake news mm -hmm. because you know fake news at the time. I feel almost like it's it's dated as a term, but but we are living in the post fake news now. I suppose um, they were stories which couldn't be proven and couldn't be given a specific time and date either, and they just kept coming back as a consequence because you could never really like put them to rest and this is the same thing it's just, <laughs> it's just it's the revenge yeah they're, how they're much, turning how their much own responsibility do ordinary consumers and readers uh, bear in terms of awareness and making up their mind well, there's news? such there's a hypocrisy i was just thinking like it's only occurred to me now you know social media platforms just waded in with their verified marks their ticks as mm. arbitrators of what was legitimate and what was not and now they're disowning that Fair point. Yeah, fair point. I mean, I see sometimes people on WhatsApp groups and, and on Facebook still sharing fairly absurd notions. Apple is giving away a thousand free iPhones because they're overstock or whatever. And I think society at this point has probably come to a consensus that those sort of posts are fake. But there still are quite a number of people who share them. And what do we think the responsibility of the sharer is there. Do we think that they have, is there a level at which you should sort of have a bit of cop on or is that being a little bit patronizing? It, it gets at a really uncomfortable thing, which is like that idea of consensus, you know, mm -hmm. of like, I mean, it, it applies to Wikipedia too. There are big flaws in Wikipedia. You know, there's a way to just turn a story into a, you can make, make something up and make it a real thing by putting it on Wikipedia. Um, mm. And, you know, but then when you get back far, far enough, like I had a great time reading about the history of, of media in this book called The Attention Merchants from ages ago. You've probably all read it and I never even finished reading it. So here I go. But I mean, it talks about the first newspaper that ever made profit from its selling price rather than, oh no, sorry, from ads from rather ads. than from its selling price. Um, and it was, you know, a, a real step in the democratization of media, but at the same time, it was running complete nonsense. Like mm -hmm. it was the Weekly World News, like ahead of its time. It wasn't the Weekly World News. They, they staged a six part hoax about men on the moon. And they claimed that they, they had discovered this uh, new species called Vespertilius Homo, who's like this Batman. Mm -hmm. And they had these like lovely elaborate illustrations. Are you saying that didn't happen? <laughs> I've not seen him. If you can prove that Vespertilio Homo is on the moon, I'll believe it. But um, Check your ads on Facebook tomorrow. <laughs> that's like, that's the noble history of the media, you know? Um, yeah. So where are we coming from and where do we go? It's always been in flux. Yeah, no, I know. And, and I know that what I'm getting at isn't a solution. What I'm sort of suggesting is that it's very hard to wade in with standards and therefore we should allow a free-for-all. And I know that's not an answer because that's just not an answer. Um, but it, it's just difficult and sometimes sometimes the black and white solutions that I see and particularly read uh, about this, they don't ring true to me, but that's just one person's opinion. Um, maybe, uh, and I know Facebook faces a very big year in 2019 from a regulatory point of view, not least because the Irish Data Protection Commissioner 
has currently has at least two, and I think they've more, they've kind of suggested they have more open into Facebook at the moment, formal investigations. And they've 16 overall in, into multinationals here in Ireland. So I'd be very surprised if Facebook finishes 2019 without a fine from the Irish Data Protection Commission. I think that's uh, that's on the way. Um, Damien, before we go, we're, believe it or not, I, I had a full agenda of other things to talk about uh, here as well. But um, you did some interesting research as about six weeks ago where you looked at the age profile of people using Facebook. And it relates to this because I'm wondering, is it really older people that this is affecting? You, Your research uh, pulled up some fascinating uh, stats about the generational shift in Facebook. Yeah, so um, so the, the stats where there's more pensioners now in Ireland using Facebook on a daily basis than, than teenagers. Which they, is they yeah, amazing. From, from, from Facebook to yeah. Instagram now. Yeah. And some of the reasons are because their grannies are on it and they're leaving comments on their Facebook page going, how are you today? Good to and see emoji. you. Blah, 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 blah. What's going on with them? Emoji XXX. has been completely taken over by older people. So my, <laughs> I had a, a brunch for my uncles and aunts and, and stuff. And they, I said, thanks what for coming. What is it off? What and, is it off yeah, in a message? And they all came back to me with the thumbs up and the tears laughing and, and all the, emo- the emoji. Whereas um, I see young, younger people have, they're not as gung-ho with them anymore. Yeah, um, just with, with older people using Facebook, my own worry is that it's because of smartphones. Everyone has mm. a smartphone now and Facebook is automatically installed and WhatsApp and all the rest. Um, and older people are using these spaces and maybe they don't have as much cynicism about the internet as we do because we've been on it for 15 mm. or 20 years or 10 years. Um, and they're probably believing stuff more and sharing stuff more. And there's there seems to be more scams around older people as well, especially like manipulating older people that are that are like widowed um, yep. or are just looking for for company. Mm-hmm. And there's exploitation happening there. Um, Your figures, were, I have them in front of me here. One hundred and seventy thousand Irish people over the age of sixty five use Facebook, compared to one hundred and fifty thousand between the ages of thirteen and eighteen. And another stat. 1.2 million of Facebook's Irish users are over 40 compared to 1 million aged between 13 and 30. So there's an unmistakable shift going and it's, on. And it's, it's rapid. Um, so I've seen it maybe in the past two years, it's, it's moving really quickly. And again, I think it's just more smartphones mm. because your father or your, your granny has to replace her phone. Mm. That was an old Nokia phone uh, that did nothing but text. And now it's a smartphone have one. and there's probably data on it as well or they might have Wi-Fi. Um, but the movement of, of younger people off it is is fast, but it's not as fast as the growth, I think, in, in older people. In America, it's much faster. There's a, a only a very small percentage of teenagers now on Facebook and a large percentage of, of like retirees on, on Facebook. Right. Are there people who just aren't joining, like as a generation? Um, there are, yeah, there, 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 there's definitely people that don't want to be on it because of they've heard what's on it and so on. Um, but it's almost like when Facebook started originally that they're being drawn in because that's what's happening and they're having conversations in real life and they're going blah, blah, blah. I saw that on Facebook. I saw that on Facebook and they're, they're kind of being drawn in now because I, I got it before from relation going, what, that, what happened on Twitter today? What happened on Facebook today? Like, yeah. So and they're joining, I think, be because of that. 
Yeah. Um, I write a column every Saturday in the paper and it's, it's an advice column. But because of the demographics of who buys and reads newspapers, it's, it's an older demographic generally. And believe me, I actually get emails and sometimes even get letters. And you know the age of the person when it's uh, a letter because it has that beautiful slanted uh, script. Proper writing. Uh, proper writing. Okay. Lovely joined up uh, and everything. But it's always stuff like... Um, my son is home from Australia and bought me a smartphone, but I'm not really sure what to do with it. Um, I, but Facebook is always th it's the only social media that's ever mentioned. Um, I used to do stuff for the Lifelong Learning Festival in Cork for a few years. Mm -hmm. And he's asked me to go into the library and do stuff on setting up a Facebook page and things like that. But I actually found from polling the people that were generally 60 plus, they actually didn't want that. They wanted stuff around if they had a Facebook account about security and privacy because they oh. had no idea of that. Right. And actually, I spent a lot of time showing them. They used, I was like, right, if you booked flights with Ryanair, yeah. Um, so I got them to do searches and just showing them that's not Ryanair. That's an ad that's going to bring you somewhere else to book a Ryanair flight, but you're going to get charged more. So it was actually showing them things they should be mm. aware of. And, and we just went back to the, the the Practical. basics, things like a lock on the, the, the screen in the browser right. means that it's a secure site. They mm -hmm. can hand over the credit card details then, just mm -hmm. be wary. Mm -hmm. But for Facebook, they just didn't know anything about privacy. And it was a case of going in and changing, just there was a whole class of changing your privacy settings to yeah. let people know what's happening. And the young folks have gone to Instagram. They, they seem to be switching over from uh, Snapchat to Instagram. Yeah, um, Snapchat just kind of like so many own goals in the past couple of years they with, without consultation I think the, the CEO redesigned the app and just it put people off and they complained and then it was like Coke becoming new Coke and then going back to old Coke but it wasn't old Coke they redesigned it again to bring it back but it still didn't work so I've just seen the numbers plummet on it mm. and just increase on Instagram is, is lucky for Mark Zuckerberg he owns that one too so. yeah but yeah, well, this is the thing because you know sometimes you're talking to somebody and they're saying well I'm sick of Facebook I'm sick of all the privacy <laughs> I'm leaving Facebook and for now on going to the same I'm, I'm only going to use WhatsApp and Instagram <laughs> okay um, <laughs> teenagers are still using Snapchat they're, right. they're, they really are on Snapchat but I thought yeah. Kylie Jenner killed Snapchat <sighs> because it did the app redesign um, but they're digging in on that because they reckon they'll make more money from enterprise eventually. Like the redesign is going to help them be yeah. more profitable, and, long, and they're um, not. He's not changing. And back. in a way, their expense on data is a lot less because they're not storing anything on anyone. Yeah. Whereas Facebook st stores everything. Even when you delete your photographs, they're still there in their database. So, yeah. like they have to uh, and they design have new to technology. Be able to get you that when you within, want to go back five, ten years and yeah. look at I, a picture of your cat. I honestly thought by now that Snapchat would have pivoted much more into TV. Um, a lot of the best analysis that I saw two or three years ago was that Snapchat was heading inexorably into being a, really a media channel, a TV channel. The, the, the media channels inside in Snapchat are doing well. They're getting like mm. 10 million views or 20 mm. million views. But again, a definition of a view there is right. three seconds or more. Yeah, which is But nonsense. they are getting really good numbers. And so I think agencies are going to them now to pitch show ideas. Yeah. Um, but it, their growth is stagnating. Like for for a young generation that's always growing, there's new teenagers coming mm. along and so on. Mm. It's it's not growing as as rapid as as the rest. So there's potential there for something else to come in. There was that a space. to be honest, TBH um, Facebook bought them about a year over a year and a year and a half ago for a hundred million. 
and they shuttered it within 12 months. Oh, so, and it was the new well, social media see, where everybody got to tell each other how great they were. Facebook yeah. has tried to make, I think, nine different versions of Snapchat so far, and they've failed. Yeah. <laughs> House Party, the video um, service, um, they Vine. tried to buy them, mm-hmm. and uh, they said no, so they tried to copy them, and they've done two versions so far, and it's failed. Facebook, I, I think now, is, is Microsoft. They're too big, so what they're doing was they're hiving off to Instagram and the guys on Instagram, the two founders of Instagram that were still there till recently, and they're going, okay, we want you to copy Snapchat. Mm. And that's what Instagram did, and that's the stories. And it and worked. all the founders left. It, it. Did, it did work, in fairness. It did um, work very well, but anything Facebook is, is attempting now, it's just not working. They're, they're God almighty, like they're, they're only like 12, 13 years old, but they're too old. Mm. Um, and they're probably too big now, and there's too much bureaucracy. So they were using Instagram, but those two very dynamic creative guys that founded Instagram have both left. And yeah. they, they left under a cloud as well. So, yeah. like... Well, that was all to do with the data privacy disagreements. And stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they stayed there for, for a good bit of time, but then there was just pressure to make more money and to exploit data and stuff more. stuff they agreed they'd never do. Yeah. They ended up being forced into a different um, business. I models. interviewed one of them about a year ago before he left. Yeah. Um, uh, we, we were over in Menlo Park, uh, a few journalists from the UK and Ireland only one from Ireland and I put that point to him that haven't you just copied Snapchat and in a polite way he said yes yeah mm. and he said look um, these were industry innovations this the, the industry moved to this so we moved to it as well and what can you say to that um, they've done a better job in Snapchat though mm. like the, the the facial recognition and the, the, the manipulation all that stuff they've, they're bringing out new stuff every day so it's it's mm. it's keeping people interested um, but you'd wonder now with Facebook controlling Instagram again and the, the Facebook culture whether there's anything left now for, for Facebook to innovate in do you know I feel really sorry for Facebook PR here in Dublin for example um, Facebook PR I mean my god uh, every not only every month every week I mean they're you know on a personal level they're all very nice but they just get hammered day in day out the PR for Twitter moved to Google about three months ago um Julie Dilger, very nice woman, um, used to work in agents in an agency in Dublin, and already she her life seems to be a lot less stressed, <laughs> less stressful because tw- like Twitter was getting an awful lot of crap as well mm. over the last two years, but it seems to be Facebook. Before we leave, go, I just want to um, go around the table on a completely separate question. There was a thing that happened last night. The chief executive of Apple gave guidance, uh, lowered expectations to Apple sales this year, essentially because people aren't upgrading their iPhones quickly enough, uh, and mostly in China, but to a lesser extent um, in the West as well. Damien, is Apple doomed? Um, No, (laughs) I I don't think they are. um, I follow a website called Patently Apple, which shows all the the patents that they're, they're, they're bringing out. And some of the stuff on the car and the glasses that are coming out in the next while is is going to be really innovative. But I think they they didn't respect their customers enough with those price increases. Mm. I mean, like over a grand now for a phone. It is a supercomputer in your pocket. Yeah. But so the iPhone XS or XS rather uh, now the starting price for that phone is eleven seventy nine in euro, and then the XS Max the starting price is twelve seventy nine. For that and it goes up to sixteen, seventeen hundred euro. And you'll have that's people, a lot you'll, have, of money. you'll have people, plenty of people that'll probably 
pay that but I think an awful lot of people are going no mm. this is too much and there's plenty of choice out there I was reading as well this morning that um, the whole issue with Apple batteries and they had that battery program for the past year and a half mm. where you just get a new battery for 30 quid yep. and they'll install it and all that has extended the lifetime of all their phones too and I think Cook uh, conceded that I think he, he in his remarks yesterday he gave an interview to CNBC he actually mentioned that that the, the battery may have uh, played into that um, but are iPhones just too expensive do you think do any, anyone think that uh, I, th I think it's people are buying into the Apple ecosystem I'm one of them unfortunately uh, cost money but I have the HomePod I have right. the watch and I think the watch will change things hmm. I think people will move I mean in, if you're in the US now you can actually leave home without your phone yeah, because LT. your watch or in the is, UK, is UK as well. UK as well, yeah. yeah so you e. can pay for things. You can take phone calls. You can speech recognition. It's not that bad. It works. Um, and uh, like you know, a good example is my husband, who was a devout Android user, mm -hmm. has now moved to Apple just because of the watch. Do you know what's interesting about the you know, watch? You know, that's interesting. I was looking at figures this morning <laughs> that suggest that the Apple Watch, the revenue from the Apple Watch of the last year, is now higher than the iPod ever was. So yeah. they're selling more. Apple Watch is now, or the, 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 in terms of revenue, they're getting more from Apple Watch now than the iPod at, at its peak. Yeah. I think people are underestimating that, that the scope of where, of where, you know, it's not always going to be about the phone. You know, That's be so interesting because the iPod was such a cultural moment, mm. I oh, suppose yeah. because there was so much discussion of like it killing, <laughs> killing music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> while the, I, the Apple Watch, I would never have guessed that they were selling more than the iPod at its peak. Yeah. They're, they're absolutely everywhere. So the Apple yeah. Watch is now the best-selling watch N not here as much. We'll see it in the next year or two when the they actually. Yeah, yeah. Of when going you out without your phone, it's right. it's blasphemy. Like that's crazy. <laughs> that's so interesting. But, but it's good. It yeah, it but the screen addiction thing as well. It's not yeah. a bad idea, right? Because you're not going to be surfing the web on your watch. So here, right? what but you still have utility. Right? What are the glasses? They're going to do glasses. Apple. Uh, AOR. Yep. AOR glasses. Yeah. It, Tim Cook's talked a lot about AOR. Um, you yeah, know, every he's really time doubling we go down. to uh, demo, every time there's a new iPad uh, or iPhone, they always reserve some time for AOR and they always yeah, show off yeah. these games and stuff and it's always the element of the presentation that is least reported on or that we as mm. journalists spend least time looking at. I don't know whether that's because we think there's less interest among our readers or viewers or whether it's just not that interesting but they really do believe in this. Because most people are moving away from the, you know, the VR thing hasn't really <clears> taken up but AOR is actually a lot more realisable in some ways mm. like you know that you can yeah. you know, for education for training for well, you know, isn't, isn't you know, explain augmented reality? Yeah. Yeah, so augmented reality being like Pokemon Go. So the difference between VR, where you put a headset on and you're shut off from the world and you're completely immersed. You have to be in a room, you can't move around, right? <clears throat> Versus yeah. AR, yeah. where you e either have glasses and you, I can see all of you in front of me, but I can also see some animated characters running around or meteors hitting you. Or AR via your phone, where you literally hold your phone up and I'm seeing the real world, but I'm also seeing an overlay with something... And it could, and it could well. be for tourists, it could be for education, it could be like you know, you could be in a new city well, and you can see all the information. Niantic, isn't it? How, how you yeah, pronounce Niantic. it? Yeah, yeah the, the new Pokemon Harry Potter. Go. One, right? There's a new Harry Potter uh, <coughs> yeah, thing really they've been working on for a year, <laughs> which apparently is going to be. I think Apple is waiting for that yeah. to come down the line, and apparently that's going to be the big, big. Yeah, yeah. They, you when you hear Tim Cook talking now, they talk a lot <laughs> about like HomePod watch and mm. AOR and less about the phone because I think they can kind of see you know where you can also, going in three, five years. Mm. And you can also add AirPods to that. So yeah. the Air yeah. AirPods, the little white um, uh, buds that stick in your, the wireless buds that stick in your, <coughs> excuse me, um, I'm seeing this 
these all over the place. Oh yeah, if you're in the US, they're everywhere. They look weird here well, still. US, if you, People if, still think it's kind of weird, but if you're if in you're, the US, it's normalized. If you're a football fan, yeah. I watch football every week, but, and now the Premier League footballers, when they get off the bus, and there's that awkward moment when people are trying to photograph them as they come into the stadium, and they used to be just Beats, that yeah. you know, it was Beats, now it's AirPods, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's kind of a welcome respite from Beats, the obnoxiously large era, yeah. era of the Beats. But like, if you talk about the cultural connotations and like psychological implications of, um, Glasses. I, I feel like the Google Glass left a really bad taste in people's yeah, mouths. And if we're to talk yeah, about like that sort of cyborging of humans, I mean, I think we'd more readily warm to a watch which mm. liberates us from our phones. Then, you know, so going back to that idea of is, is Facebook listening in? Nobody could be taking screen grabs. But then your screen becomes your vision. Mm -hmm. um, so it's grabbing your life. Possibly that's why Apple are doing the whole privacy thing now, getting people That's ready. interesting, mm. yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah, you you bought the Snap Glasses, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, the Snapchat when glasses. They first came oh out. God. How did that go? <laughs> um, man, what, what, what a piece of shiny material. They're, they're, <laughs> they're, they're fine. It just, it just, there was a camera on one side, um, but what was good, I guess, about them is that if you're recording, the, the light went white, so it was circling that so people could know, and you could only record 15 seconds. And it just moved across via Bluetooth onto your phone, you could share it. So it gave a nice 3D perspective. Mm. Um, mm. So people could like move around in your image and, and see things like that. So it was a nice idea, but they spent hundreds of millions designing that and they, they ended up just warehousing most of the stuff. Yeah. And they didn't iterate them. They didn't add, because I, I expected, because they have done so much Snapchat actually with AR, or AR is really good, that they would have done a lot more with that, with those glasses. It just seemed that they, they didn't. I think mm. it's such a fine balance and I think Pokemon was the perfect vehicle with which to get us all acquainted. Like with the idea of AR. Uh, Do you, you guys probably don't remember it, but I mean, five or six years ago, I think it was daft.ie or my home, one of them came out with an AR app that lets you hold your phone up yeah. like yeah. that. And so you'd, you would, no matter which direction you pointed your phone, if you were in a city, for example, these little for sale signs would come and what they were, what they were uh, pointing to was a property that was for sale, maybe 300 yards over, over east from you. It mm -hmm. was, but it never really, it never really took off. Probably just too much work to, to keep mm. it going. Um, yeah, someone made a version of that as well for Nama properties. So when you walk oh, down the street, it would actually uh, pop up uh, going Nama property, Nama that's property. That's funny. Um, but just, like, if you're developing an app, any kind of app nowadays, there's just so much work keeping it yeah. going and upgrading it and just adding yeah. new features and things like that. It's it's very hard and to do. And it's like 0.1% that make any money as yeah. well. Um, uh, do you know what? I think we have run out of time. Thank you very much, three of you, for uh, spending time with us today. Dr. Patricia Scanlon, Founder Chief Executive of Soapbox Labs, uh, Damien Mully, owner of Mully Communications and Roisin Kybert, freelance journalist. Thank you all very much for uh, your expertise and thank you all for listening. This is the first podcast episode of 2019. Hope you'll stay with us through the year. For me, Adrian Wackley, the tech editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent. I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.